This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I want you to notice with me now in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, a complicated text and I'll give you the meaning in a moment. Read with me now verses 1 through 12. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. And the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man. And say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore, prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. This is a very thought-provoking passage of Scripture. And I'm going to put it in context for you in just a moment. But first, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to think about this. Do you know someone today who's facing a situation where the solution of their problem seems to be impossible? I want you to think about that. Where there seems to be no obvious answer where there seems to be no end in sight. Perhaps there seems to be absolutely no option left whatsoever, where every possible thing that they knew what to do has already been done. And still, there is no change. I want you to think about that. And because of that, Maybe you know somebody this morning in your personal lives that has decided to quit, to throw in the towel. Maybe someone this morning you know that has now decided to give up on their marriage. Maybe somebody you know 
has decided to give up on their dreams. Maybe someone you know this morning has decided to give up on their wayward and prodigal children. Maybe somebody has even contemplated giving up serving the Lord. And the truth of the matter is, in a crowd such as this, that person could very well be you. I want you to think with me this morning. Perhaps if that's you, you may feel all of these things because you feel that everything within you and everything around you seems to be hopeless. I talk to people every day and they come to my office or I talk to them on the phone. I visit them in their homes, whatever the case may be. And they lay their salty tears in their lap and say, oh, preacher, will there ever be an end in sight? Will there ever be an answer to the situation? If it's not you, it may be somebody you do know that's going through a circumstance just like this. We all know Life at times is cruel. We know that. In many ways, without any warning, through exhausting, extending circumstances, life has a way of snapping life out of our bones. Now let me get you to think about something else. On the other hand, you may be looking at Another kind of a situation altogether. Maybe this morning you know somebody who needs Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I think that if we dwell on that for 10 seconds, somebody will come to mind. Maybe you know somebody that is lost without Christ and they need Jesus as their Savior. In fact, maybe you have been a witness to them over a period of years. Maybe you have prayed countless prayers for them. Maybe you have asked other people to pray for them. And those individuals have been so close to accepting Christ, but for some reason or another, at the very moment when you thought they would bow their head and call upon his holy name, they said no. And now perhaps you're beginning to think that it's just a lost cause, that after all the witness and after all the praying, that it's just impossible. They will not be saved. Perhaps it's a mother. Perhaps it's a father. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a brother, a sister, a neighbor, an employer. Maybe it's a co-worker. You want them saved more than anything on this earth. And you have repeatedly heard them say, one time after another, no. And then maybe you're saying because of that, it's a lost cause. Perhaps you yourself are going through a circumstance this morning that so desperately you desire that it change. And you've been dealing with it for so long. And quite frankly, you're saying, preacher, you just don't have no idea how close to home you are this morning. And all the circumstances that you have just illustrated, I feel that somewhat it's a picture of me. 
And the truth of the matter is, preacher, I'm going through some circumstances today, personally, that I feel my life has been shattered and torn in so many different directions. The truth of the matter is, I just don't even have the will, the strength to contend with it anymore. Have you been there? Do you know something that you have agonized with over and over and over again, and finally you got to the place where you just couldn't deal with it anymore? And maybe somebody that you know is going through that, and you feel that life is just racing, racing like a train without brakes towards an abrupt end, and you've lost your will to deal with it. Well, if you're wondering this morning if God could ever breathe the breath of life into a hurting and aching soul like that, let me assure you a hundred thousand times over, yes, he can. Yes, he can. Now, I think it's imperative that I spend just a moment to give you a little background about this text because it's most unusual. Ezekiel, the prophet of God, is carried away into a very strange place. And God brings him to a valley where a terrible battle has been fought. It's it's a battle that has been fought where many people have been killed. But Ezekiel notices that this battle must have been fought a long time ago. Because as God brings him to this place, all he sees is a valley of bones. These bones have been washed by the rain. They have been bleached and baked by the sun. As God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel in this valley of dry bones, God said to the prophet, look at all of these dead people. Look at all of these dry bones. Then God asked Ezekiel a very unusual question. He takes him to this place. It's filled with dry bones. God says, take a look around. Ezekiel's turning from every direction, north, south, east, and west. And he steps back and he says, man, this is a lot of people dead. They've been dead for a long time. God says, Ezekiel, can these dead bones live? Ezekiel the prophet is having a one-on-one conversation with God. I'm sure Ezekiel, because he, he was human, he must have thought to himself. He's hearing the audible voice of God speak to him. Can these bones live? I'm sure Ezekiel saying, are you kidding me, God? Are you kidding me? Perhaps he thought, somebody tell him they've been dead a long time. (laughs) I mean, he's having this conversation with God. And God asked him, can these bones live? There's not been a sign of life in these bones for who knows how long. But you see, Ezekiel did not let his human nature take over in this conversation. In fact, this is what he said. No matter what he thought, this is what he said. God said, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, thou knowest. 
Wow. That's amazing. That's wisdom. Thou knowest. That was a very wise answer. God was declaring to the prophet Ezekiel that he was going to take what seemed to be a hopeless situation, an impossible circumstance, and he was showing Ezekiel that with God, all things were possible. That though the nation of Israel had become disobedient, and they had been led away into captivity, and they were scattered abroad with people like without hope and But God was showing the prophet that in spite of it all, he would one day regather them. And so that's the first thing. That's the main application of the story this morning. It has a prophetic reference to the nation of Israel. If you look in chapter 37, verse number 11, the Bible says this, Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost and we are cut off from our parts. You see, this is a prophecy of what God is going to do in the end times as he brings the nation of Israel together all over the world, which have been, by the way, scattered in unbelief like dry bones. But God said in the end times, I am going to bring them back and I am going to breathe life back into them. He's going to restore them in a mighty way. He is going to make them a mighty nation. God is telling Ezekiel. And by the way, on May 14th, 1948, Israel became that nation. God fulfilled that prophecy on May the 14th, 1948. The situation for Israel was grave, and they had been terribly persecuted. They had been held in captivity for a long time. They had been driven from the promised land. But God was saying, I'm going to take what appears to be hopeless and helpless, and I am going to do something miraculous about that situation. I'm going to take dead people. I'm going to raise them back to life. So as we have this message this morning, I want you to understand that the main application is prophetic, and it revolves around the nation of Israel. But I want to develop from this a practical application where it pertains to you and I. So with that in mind, let me give you a second thought this morning. A second thought about the question, can dead bones live? Let's think about what seems to be a dead circumstance in your life. Or in the life of someone you know. Let's think about that person. First of all, who may be lost without Christ that keeps saying no. You might work with somebody like that. You might have somebody in your family like that. You know for sure they're lost. They make a profession of no faith at all. You ask them, are they ready to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? And they will tell you all kinds of things. They will say, you know what? I don't want to become a Christian because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a Christian because i got to go to church on Sunday. I don't want to be a hypocrite because I'm not finished sowing my wild old shed. I don't have all my ducks in a row. You, you ask somebody who repeatedly says no to Jesus Christ and you'll be amazed at all the answers you get. They seem to be defeated in their life. They seem to be shackled and chained. But let me ask you to consider some things this morning. Number one is this. If you know somebody in your life very dear to you, a coworker, and especially a family member, whether it be children, grandchildren, you know that they're not saved. 
they've never given their heart to the Lord. Let me ask you to think about this just for a moment. Never underestimate a lost person's deadly condition. Would you focus on that for a moment? Never underestimate a lost person's deadly condition. Never lose sight of what they are facing. I want to compare these dry bones, first of all, this morning to a lost person. And by the way, the Bible says that any person who is not in Christ is spiritually dead. And if you're taking notes today, you can write this scripture reference down. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in the trespass of sin. So anybody that does not know Christ as their Savior is spiritually dead. And that verse reminds us that before we were saved, we are, we were spiritually dead. Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 2 says, not only were these bones dry or dead bones, but they were dry bones. Look at verse 2 in Ezekiel 37. And he caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. So the main application now, again, goes to the nation of Israel. But look at verse 11 in chapter 37. Then said he unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost and we're cut off from our parts. You see, they were dead, dry, and hopeless. I want you to compare that to a lost person today. All of us know somebody without Christ. All of us do. So please remind yourself from time to time, when you know somebody who is not saved, that they are spiritually dead, they are lost without hope. Sometimes I'm not sure if we're really looking at the big picture of what that means. I'm so thankful that Brother Bruce and Sister Vicki are teaching our soul winning class on Sunday morning, teaching you how to take this Bible, the Word of God, and to lead somebody to Christ. But let me say this today. If you can visualize that person in your mind, whether it is someone close to you, someone in your family, a a relative, listen, you look at their life and you see their wasted years. You've cried a river of tears over them. You see their continual refusal to accept Christ. You see the emptiness and longing in their life. But let me ask you this. Do you really see that they are dead and hopeless, that they are an eternal soul separated forever without Christ unless they come to the saving knowledge and receiving? Do you think about that? Friend, let me tell you, I don't know that we get the big picture sometimes. We just talk about this thing being lost or saved. We talk about this thing being heaven or hell, and that's true. We talk about it being in the family or out of the family, and that's true. But I don't know if we can ever really get the big picture of it. At the end of this month, I'm going to be preaching, starting the last Sunday of October, I'm going to be preaching a four-part sermon series on Sunday mornings on heaven. I will tell you this, it will transform your life. The first sermon I'm going to be preaching is the realities, the real presence of heaven. The second sermon I'm going to be preaching is the beauty of heaven. And I will tell you this, if you are planning to miss any service in those four sermons, you will not want to miss sermon two, the beauty of heaven. I'm going to be preaching about the terror of heaven and then the four hallelujahs of heaven. I love heaven. I preach about heaven all the time. Just the other day, I preached a funeral for uh, Steve Kelly. And Sandy, it's good to see a pew full of your folks here today. And friends, I'm so thrilled to that. But when I preached that funeral and I gave the invitation, I will tell you, and I preached on heaven. 15 people gave their hearts to Christ in the funeral home. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. I love preaching about heaven. But I will tell you this, friend, unless we get out of our easy chair and see the big picture of eternity, it's not just about heaven. If we can understand that our loved ones who die without Jesus Christ are going to spend an eternity in a Christless hell, the Bible says where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, a place of sorrow, a place where the worm dieth not, a place where the fire is not quenched. And listen, can you see someone in your family without Christ in hell? Can you see a friend in hell without Jesus Christ? That should get all of us out of the easy chair. God help us to see it. The second thing I want us to notice this is we need to consider our divine commission in this vision of our lost friends and loved ones without the Lord. God took Ezekiel to the valley full of dry and dead bones. He took him there to minister to him. To speak to his heart. God had to refresh Ezekiel's passion for the nation of Israel. He had to rekindle his heart. He had to start something in his bosom. And that's what God, I believe, after all of these years, now you and I are here in the church of Jesus Christ in 2013. I believe that's what God would have you and I to do today. To be refreshed and have our passion rekindled. And if we're not careful, listen now, it's easy to fall into the routines of life and not even think about it. If we're not careful, it's very easy to begin to take one day for granted after another. If you know someone who's facing the loss of all possibilities of hope in their heart and in their mind, who has given up, maybe this morning you know someone who you think will never be saved. I can remember years ago, many, many years ago, I was out on visitation during the week, and I came upon this lady's house. She's a great church member. And when I got to her house and knocked on her door, it was very cold outside, snow on the ground. When I knocked on her door, she had a coat on. I could see her breath as she talked. I don't know how cold it was in the house, but it has to be pretty cold for that. I walked into the house, and she sat me down by the kitchen table. And I will tell you, she was sitting in a chair. She was sitting in a chair burning trash in a wood stove to keep herself warm. My heart just broke. I couldn't believe it. She began to tell me that her husband was a drunkard. He never would pay bills on time. She was very much in need. And I said, well, oh, I'll, I'll fix that for you real quick. She said, oh, no, don't do anything about this. She said, my husband, she said, he'll kill me if he knows I told you anything about it. I, you know, we just have to deal with the consequences. I left her house and I went and bought her some groceries. I took him to her house and I said, I'm coming back here and I talked to your husband she said, oh, preacher, don't do that. You don't know what you're doing. I said, uh, listen, I'm going to deal with it. My heart was breaking for her. I could see her husband breaking speed limits to hell. When I drove up there, the sun had gone down. Moon was shining on the front yard. And when I got out of my car, the first thing I noticed that every one of those items, those groceries were laying out in the snow. He had taken that stuff and thrown it outside. 
And I had to step over some of it to get to the house. I knocked on the door. The television was blasting. And I could tell it was an uncomfortable situation for her. I stepped into the door. She said, sit down. She got her husband and he came in there. He sat down. I told him who I was. He wouldn't say very much to me at all. In fact, the television was blasting. He just stared at me and the television was piercing my ears. I have two hearing aids in. I'll tell you what, I could hardly stand it. So, being a welcome guest in the house, I just went over there and turned the television off. So you really did that? I really did it. <laughs> and he was just sitting there staring at me. I said, you know, I brought those things over here today to help you. And I went on with that for a few minutes, and then I began to address the condition of his soul. This is what he said to me. He said, I'm not interested. I said, well, I know that. I said, but I'm praying for you. I want you to trust Christ as your Savior. He said, I don't have time for that. The conversation went on and on and on. It, it was just going nowhere. And his son came in a few moments after we were engaged in the conversation. And I, I said, son, I'd like to talk to you for a minute. He came in there and sat down. I told him who I was. His daddy was sitting there on the chair he was sitting in another chair. I said, sir, let me tell you about Jesus just for a minute. I said, your precious mother in there loves God. She's saved. She's on her way to heaven. I said, but your daddy sitting here is on his way to hell. I said, he's going to die and go to hell by his own testimony. He does not want to be saved. And his daddy was sitting right there in front of me. I said, by his own testimony, he doesn't want to. Receive Christ as his Savior. He said, but that mother of yours in there has been praying for him day and night. I said, son, it's 825. I never forget it like it was yesterday. I said, it's 825. I said, if Jesus Christ comes back for the church, if the rapture takes place in the next five minutes, I said, your daddy's going to die and go to hell. I said, what do you want to do? And I will tell you this, as long as I've been a preacher, over 30 years, I, listen, even today, looking back then, I have never in my life heard what he said but one time in my life. Only, only, it only came out of his mouth. I asked him, did he want to trust Christ and go to heaven with his mother? He looked at his mother, he looked at his daddy, and he said this, I'm with him. I said, son, if Jesus were to come back at 8.30, I said, you and your daddy both are going to hell. I stood up and I said, I'm going to pray for you. Don't pray for me. I said, I'm going to pray for you. I prayed a short prayer and I left. What I want to tell you is this, that, that praying mother and praying wife never quit praying.
in less than a year, her husband got saved. Amen. I will pr- I'll tell you this. Sometimes it looks like hopeless situations. Sometimes we think that that person will never be saved. Sometimes we think about all the things that they're going through and all the circumstances that they're in and everything that's going on in their life and we're saying it's impossible for them to be saved. They just will not get it. They will not listen. They will not turn their hearts to Christ. But I'm telling you this, friend, stay with it. Stay with it. Don't give up. When Ezekiel started praying, there was a disturbance going on. Look at verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. That was serious praying going on. I've actually had people to tell me to quit praying for them. I've known they, they were lost, they, that they were on their way to hell. Sometimes I'd find a good opportunity to say, hey, I'm praying for you. I've had people to actually say to me, stop praying. Those prayers are driving me crazy. I can't sleep at night. I think about you praying. Don't ever give up. When you start praying for somebody who's been laying in dead dust for a long time and you let them know that you're praying for them, listen, the Spirit of God is going to do something with that. They may not like that disturbance going on in their life. And listen carefully. That's all right. When we go through problems and we feel that the gates of hell are opening in our lives and we're being tossed around, thank God for the shakening. Thank God for the, for the awakening. Thank God for the movement. And listen to this. You're praying for somebody today. God may be working in small ways or big ways, but listen, I believe any kind of movement is better than deadly stillness. How about you? Amen. When I'm tossed and I'm going to pray, when I'm in green pastures, I'm going to pray. But if I'm spiritually dead, there is absolutely nothing moving whatsoever. There's nothing shaking, nothing stirring. When Ezekiel continued to pray, not only was there a noise, but things started to come together. Look at verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. Friend, let me tell you this. God does something when we fervently pray. And lastly, let me ask you to think about this. After you've done all you can do for someone. Listen, you might be going through a situation right now. Where you feel that you've come to the end of it and you say, you know what? I ain't doing this anymore. I've had enough, God. I didn't sign up for this. I mean, when, when this stuff about coming to Jesus, coming to Jesus, I came to you. I've had people praying. I've had people crying. I've had all that. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Well, I came to you, God, but I certainly didn't sign up for this. And you think one thing after another has happened in your life when you gave your heart to Christ. One thing after another. And you're saying, you know what? This, I, had, I had it better when I was in the world. I had it better when I was a lost man. I had it better when I knew I was on my way to hell. But right now, and I gave my heart to Christ, it seems like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I ain't doing it anymore, God. Let me tell you this. Somebody in this auditorium might be at that place right now. Or you might know somebody 
those clothes. Let me encourage you to hang on just a little longer. Don't quit. Don't give it up. Because I'm telling you this. You trust God without wavering. The integrity of God himself hangs on the pages of these scriptures. And friend, if something ever turns around in your life that seemed to be hopeless or lifeless, if, if that home can be rebuilt, if that prodigal can be restored, if that loved one can be saved, listen, if the circumstances that you're facing today are against all odds, if you are facing things and you are at the pinnacle of impossibility, just do what God says. Do what he requires. Do all that you know to be right. Having done all, stand. Stand. And turn the rest of it over to God. This is what you do. Did he not say, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Did he not say that I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever? Did he not say that I would supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory? Here's what you do. You get into a situation like that when you feel the gates of hell have opened on your life. You have nowhere to turn. You have no will to continue. You look God in the eyes of heaven through your eyes of faith and say, this book right here is the truth. It's the life. It's the way. I have trusted you. You have given me your promise. And God, let me tell you this today. It's not like you don't know it. You knew the problem before I knew the problem. But God, I'm at the end. I cannot continue. And God, listen, I have your precious word in my hand. I have your precious promises. And though I'm at the wit's end of my life where it seems to be hopeless and helpless, God, I am going to stand on the word. I cannot do it anymore, but I know you you can and stand on the word you turn over to him what you cannot do see God expects us to do all we can and we just don't get on the bus and just ride it to heaven you know he never said take up your picnic basket and follow me Amen. We don't, we're not tiptoeing through the tulips to heaven. None of us have wings or a halo. But what we do have is the Word of God. And here's the deal. When you or someone you know, encourage them as well. When they get to the place, there is nothing left. It seems lifeless and hopeless and impossible. Put your hand on the Bible and begin to pray, God, in the name of Jesus, this is your word. You have promised not to leave me nor forsake me. Everything that happens to me, I know, works for the good 
To them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. And God, I've done everything I know to do what is right. I have obeyed your word. I have walked in your precept. And God, there's frankly nothing else for me to do. So right now, God, I'm putting my hand on the scripture. I'm claiming your promise. I'm stepping back. Having done all, just stand on the word. And let me tell you this, friend. You stand on those promises. Oh, man. They're new and fresh every day. So you might be dealing with something right now. You just feel dead and lifeless and hopeless and helpless. Listen. You remember the story how God was in the garden. And on the sixth day, he reached down. Took the dirt formed man in his likeness and his image. And then God got down and he went like this. And the Bible says when he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, he became a living soul. Listen, no matter what you're facing today and what you're up against, God can still reach down and in your life. He can turn it all around. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.